goody yum yum when it's spring again i'll bring again tulips from amsterdam with a heart that's true i'll give to you tulips from amsterdam i can't wait until the day you fill these eager arms of mine like the windmill keeps on turning that's how my heart keeps on yearning for the day i know we can share these tulips from amsterdam Hello and welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. I'm Richard. I'm Tom. And this is episode 51 where we're talking about lips or almighty cod, or sometimes simply known as cod. First broadcast as the first episode of season six on the 21st of September 1976, a Tuesday this time at 9pm. Tom, what did you think of this one? It's not... It's not a bad episode, it's, but it's certainly not as good as the goodies have been or are still to achieve in a couple of coming episodes. But, yeah, middling. Richard? It's a bit of a retread of Kitten Kong and possibly even Shades of Frank and Fido, but look, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a reasonable start to the new series. We probably will have a talk about where the series is at now, but look, I enjoyed watching it. I had fun with it. Robert? I was very fond of this when I was a boy, especially the early sequences in the fish farm itself. Now I think it's a bit of a step back from the highs of, of, of season five, but overall, watching it again, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was pretty good. Well, I really enjoyed this episode. This is a personal favourite of mine. I enjoyed it again watching it, and I think it is absolutely the best episode of season six, which I know I think all of you might disagree with me on that one, but I really, really like this one. High pressure all the way, man. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about high pressure next week. I want to pick up, before we go into it in more detail, I want to pick up on a point you raised there, Richard. To me, this was actually the second of what's going to be three, essentially, remakes of the same plot, which is Frank and Fido this, and then Black and White Beauty in Mm. a couple of months' time. Mm. It basically all revolves around Graham breeding something. He then does specialist breeding. You get lots of jokes around what he's breeding and the various creatures he creates. Something goes a bit awry the big mutated giant thing that he's created gets loose and they have to recapture it is, is black and white beauty really that though black and white beauty i think starts with that it's got all that stuff in the stable dr graham's home for retired animals <laughs> yeah and, and look you're right king kong is a bit of a variation on that as well and then yeah. he creates kong yes so is this a remake of frank and fido at least and done better or at least done without bestiality jokes that's a good question no i think this is He's not crossbreeding, is what I think Frank and Fido really ended up being. This is more just growing fish. Well, it was all about the fish market and the Icelandic mm. taking all the, well, extending their fishing. The Cod War. The Cod War. The more important question to ask is this a sign of laziness in the writing? If they're going back to the well again and then again later on, is, or is it just a way to ease into the, the new seri- uh, season? for a retreading of a previous plot. In some ways, this is probably a discussion point for perhaps a bit later when we do the where the series is at now, but I probably overall did find Series 6 a step back from Series 5, and I actually think it's not as good as Season 7. I would argue that Season 5 only really gets going in the last, say, four or five weeks. Oh, it opens, I think, with a strong episode. ripper of an episode. Yeah, yeah. but then I think it, it falls off a little bit of a cliff and then only sort mm. of climbs back out 
Not, not a fan of wacky whales, no? It's okay. <clears throat> Maybe we've been spoiled a bit over the last four to five weeks as well. I think we, we have had that's this. probably true and I must admit watching them in weekly sequences I mean given there was what nearly an 18 month gap between mm-hmm. this and, and the end of the previous season and you've only had the, the goodies rule okay in that time I mean this is in some ways I guess starting again for the audience who saw it at the time whereas for us really we've, we've had a run of four or five really strong episodes to close out season five and now we're straight into season six fair enough so we'll discuss that as you said Richard a little bit later so then to pick up on a point you just made then Robert we actually launch into the Cod Wars Yes. So the Cod Wars, for anybody who's done international relations, is a bit of a case study that many, many students across many universities, I'm sure, have covered, <laughs> because it really is one of those, those little case studies that they do for international law. But essentially, it's all about trade wars between Iceland and Britain. And it ended up with uh, Britain allowing Iceland to have, or I should say, being coerced into allowing Iceland to have a 200-mile exclusion zone around their fishing territories. And the only reason that Iceland got that was because they said that if Britain didn't accede to that, then they wouldn't allow NATO to use their ports and have their bases in Iceland. And all the other NATO countries said to Britain, yeah, sorry, our bases mean more than your cod. <laughs> so you're out. So uh, it was a big deal at the time, and it ran for many, many years, but it did flare up considerably in early 1976. Of course, the goodies exaggerate this in the 200-mile exclusion zone becomes a 2,000-mile exclusion zone. You're on the serpentine, apparently. That's yes. right. <laughs> and, and I think that's actually a very good... It's a very good goodies gag. It's a very good goodies opening where the actual physical line in the map is put out on the chart they show, and then it's actually physically a line down the Thames where Tim's fishing. We then meet the Eskimos. Yes. Any, any comments about those? Uh, we've gone the wrong way. <laughs> to get Eskimos in there. Yes. 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 It's rather interesting. They speak what you would probably call, and, and this is not a pun, a sort of cod Scandinavian, I would think. <laughs> it is basically the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Yes, it is. It immediately came to mind for me. It's an interesting betrayal. I, I guess whether the goodies themselves knew what an Icelandic fisherman looked like or not, they probably assume the audience really didn't, but what? Eskimos immediately just says fishing people from the Well, that's the thing. I mean, is that maybe how it was done in the media? It's sort of like Iceland, well, that's up north, so that immediately just means Eskimos in popular culture. Yeah, it's just the Arctic, so that's a nice shorthand Mm. for fishermen from Uh, the Arctic. I think they even actually say, I think they they call them Greenlanders, I think, don't they, during the episode? Yes, I think rather than actually naming them as being Icelandic. Yes, which is interesting as well. It's very much just a what would you call a pop culture characterisation of them. I think it's the visuals more than anything else. Well, well, it is. Yes, they have a boat with a great big gun and a great big harpoon. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily for Britain, everything's okay at the moment because we have Dr. Graham's fish farm. (laughs) Which, look, it's just another one of those sequences where they just let Graham go crazy for about five or six minutes just doing lots of jokes about fish. It is a Graham Garden show for a long stretch in uh, in the studio scene. It is. I mean, it's sort of a, a sign of where we're at with the series now, where it's just, okay, the goodies are running a fish farm this week, yes. but this is this week's crazy venture, Yeah, I think, which means we've moved right away from the original concepts of the show. But plus, I mean, as you said, they get to do all the fish jokes, like Bill trying to stamp the lines on the fish eggs, trying to eat, break the fish egg in the cup. Mm. Yeah, calling the fish buttercup, having the battery fish. Yes, well, I do do the archers thing at the start, where yes. of course he comes in and uh, they play the archers music, and Graham gets to do his what or Gabriel uh, <laughs> impersonation. <laughs> Graham also gets to do his pet's corner routine with the pike in the uh, in the tank. And then, of course, Tim comes back to report the Eskimos have come to steal all their fish, and so this means war. But don't worry, we have cod 
on our side. There's a deserving groan, I think, from the audience. <laughs> I mean, you do get to see Graham's sketching abilities there where Tim comes in and he describes the boat and the Eskimos on it. I mean, they make a Liza Benelli joke there as well, yes. but they've got the squinty eyes and a flat nose. <laughs> Fur coats, yes, right. and the fur coats. That's it is right. <laughs> and then uh, Graham sort of turns around with this very nicely bead-drawn picture of the fishing boat. It's interesting watching something from the mid seventies. If you want to do a cultural history of, say, Britain at that time, the, their obsessions and interests, just go watch a show like this because they just strip mine current affairs and popular people and all that sort of thing for humour. It is, and it's also, I think, a reflection of just how much codfish fingers were just a staple mm. of particularly, I'd say, working-class, you know, southern Britons, you know, food, and it's, you know, it's sort of like Vegemite for us, I guess. Okay. You then get to what I think is probably the one real conceit of the episode, which is that the goodies managed to throw the entire cod stock of Britain at the Eskimos by mistake. <laughs> After, of course, I've done the fish-slapping dance. Yes! <laughs> Do we want to talk about that? Well, I mean, it, that's immediately what leapt to my mind, is the fish-slapping dance from Python, but... I mean, it, it is also probably the bit about having the bigger gun, I think, initially, because the, the Eskimo comes up with this tiny little fish and mm. sort of does a... And then Graham just grips out this whack and right thing and just belts him over the head with it. Decent-sized cod, yeah. I wonder if it's a deliberate homage to the fish-slapping dinosaur. They're just generally sat there and going, well, we'll hit each other with fish. That's what this episode's about. They wind up throwing all their fish, and then they get into the routine where they're hitting each other, obviously, for making yes. a mistake. And we get more cod scan. Now you thank you very much. <laughs> As they get in the boat and sail off. So, of course, the goodies are now left. There are no cod left in Britain anywhere. <laughs> so, how are they going to deal with the problem? Bill's response is to blow up an inflatable fish. That is very, very funny, though. Just the look on his face. I'm going to do this. I'm he is gonna really do it. getting into that. He is. It's so, he's, he's pumping up the haddock with the bike pump. The thing is, clearly, it's a live effect. Because he's obviously standing there for some time, pumping the thing up. Then the guy right will turn the camera on, and he's just got to keep acting and filling the space until this thing bursts. And you can see Billotti desperately trying to just keep going. It'll get there. It'll just know he's got to keep talking until the thing explodes. Because he's only got one take, and the camera's on him. And the look on his face is priceless. Yeah, it's very good. Yes, and Tim's response is to basically fry up Bill's goldfish and eat him. <laughs> Gilbert. Gilbert. Gilbert the goldfish. Which Graham then eats. Yes, which you then sort of get the joke about, oh, how could you eat my goldfish? Crunch, crunch. Actually, this is very good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then they make the joke, like he says, I won him at the fairground. It cost me 250 ping pong balls. That's a lot of balls. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Tim says he likes Graham more. The bit where he says, well, I could have ducked out a goldfish, but I like Graham more. And then Bill does the whole thing about, well, how about I eat Graham? Let's get Graham. Graham puts him in the batter like, Graham fingers. <laughs> <laughs> or indeed, Graham wanting, all I want is one cod, one miserable cod. I'd prefer a happy one, but it's one miserable cod. <laughs> and to get that miserable cod, they decide they have to go to, quote, Eskimo land. Yes. Uh, not sure where Eskimo land is, I guess just north. Well, I think the map shows them as basically going to the North Pole, yeah, I think. Where ice yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah. Just wait long enough, kids, and there won't be any Arctic, uh, yeah. the Arctic Circle. No, you'll be able to sail through there. <laughs> so, this is one example, I think, of the memory cheating a little bit. My memory of the uh, sequence in Iceland or Greenland or wherever they are was that it was actually quite long, it was actually quite a convoluted thing to get the fish. 
But actually, it's only a couple of minutes long, and they get yeah. the fish relatively easily, and then they smuggle it through customs as a cricket bat, again, relatively easily. I, I sort of remember them having a couple of goes at that, but they don't. No, they sort of go in, bribe the bloke to give them the portable hole. Yes, which I don't know if that's, again, a reference to the Beatles' Yellow Submarine movie or not, but oh, it but certainly comes across it, And again, out of the cartoons again. Yeah. It goes back to the Warner Brothers days uh, used in there. Yeah, so you're right, but they, they sort of basically just spear the fish pretty much immediately. Yes. Chuck it in the bag. The interesting point I had here, just a production point, when they, when they go to the uh, Eskimo Customs Terminal... That, that looks like the BBC have obviously just sprayed a layer of foam around outside. If you watch that, it's they're walking through it. It's not snow. It's obviously mm. just foam and crap that they sprayed around for them to look stop like through. Snow. Yeah, it'll look like snow. It's good to know the BBC's foam machine is still getting used. Yeah, well, we'll see it again in a few weeks. But... <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah they, they get the cod and they bring it back home. Yes. We'll cut to cheering crowds, obviously, as the goodies parade through the streets holding up their, holding up their cod. It's a very, uh, you know, durable cod. <laughs> it can be paraded with no ill Yes, effects. that's right. It's been speared, brought back in a canvas bag full of water. Used as a cricket bat to get them through customs. <laughs> and will feed the nation. Yes. <laughs> well, when we cut back, it is now 22 feet. 22 feet, 9 and 3 quarter centimetres. Yes, we're eight months later, and Brian the Cod, which is a play on Brian Cod, who was uh, from Superstar, is Bill and Graham's agent. No. Oh. Yes. Okay. So, yes, he's now 22 feet long. Um, Tim and Bill clearly are ready to kill Brian and eat him. <laughs> well, Tim at this point is working on the distribution. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, and interestingly enough, they've got Scotland, Wales, London, the rest of the world, and Bradford gets its own bit to use in their curries. Bradford being a small town, sort of the, the twin town with Leeds up north. Right. Um, and had a relatively large Indian... Population. population at the time. Okay. Right. And and bird's eye get the tail. Yes. <laughs> and they're debating what to do with the head. Yes. And then in comes Bill, basically, kill, kill the, the cod, cod, kill the cod, <laughs> kill the cod. That's where he sings the, uh, the cod get ready to die song. Yes, that's, that's right. On. Cod get ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he actually comes in holding what appears to be a, like a machine gun in there, where he get the big thing he carries in and plonks down on the... Mm. appears to be a machine gun and then he pulls out the humane killer sadly though Graham has great affection towards Brian the Cod (laughs) (laughs) and well I'm not quite sure what to say about the relationship between him and his cod at this point it's it's clearly now a pet he treated him very well yes well he's good though because he's taught him a number of tricks too and he's like you like this this is really interesting watch this he's like throwing the ball back and forth to him he's making him sit up and beg or as Tim puts it made him into a sissy yes yes (laughs) camp as a row of pink prawns I believe is the other expression they use yes now, there is what appears to be a bit of a, what could potentially be construed as a Chekhov's gun at this point, because Graham actually makes the point that sitting outside the room are the big tubs of yes. oil and yes. batter. Yes. Yes, which we obviously see a bit later in the episode. Graham decides to take Brian for a walk because he's a bit upset about them wanting to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is just another one of those little film sequences. And, and I think it's worth pointing out at this point, where is in much early Goody seasons, they would sort of have all their film stuff as one big segment. Mm. Now they're very clearly a lot happy to go, well, we need a two-minute bit here or a three-minute mm. bit here or just enough to do a couple of gags. Yeah. And this is a very good example of that where they just have enough of Graham, you know, walking the fish, you know, moving around the lamppost mm. and 
the, the, the lady with the dog and everything. And it's just long enough to be kind of funny and a nice little visual gag without you know, extending it too far. Yeah, mm. doesn't have to be Yes, they have already hit upon the idea of using Brian to get rid of the, uh, the Eskimos, but of course, because he is a bit of a sissy, well, <laughs> sorry, because he's not the most butch of our scaly friends. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. So they need to work out how to make fish cross. Yes. Mm. Well, first thing they want to use to get rid of the Eskimos is they decide they're going to use Nicholas Parsons masks. <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> <laughs> but in Eskimo land, Nicholas Parsons is host of Whale of the Century, so he's very popular. So that, that... That's another groan from the audience, I think. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's an appreciative groan. Yes. yes. And then Graham says... Well, they must be dealing with savages. <laughs> <laughs> we then get into the Eskimo phrase book segment. Oh, yes. Another one of the yellow and black teach yourself books. Yes. If only we had an Eskimo phrase book. Here's one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go home. Your igloo is on fire. <laughs> and the last one is, this, hello, sailor. I suppose I... That's enough! <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's not working, so they get back to trying to annoy the fish, which leads to various good fun sequences. Tim punching the goldfish bowl. Yes, after Graham has called Brian a great poof. Yes. <laughs> now, question here. Inside the fish tank that Billy's trying to angle the fish in are the letters interlude. Yes. Is that something that was cut or not used? No, or? it's back in the... I have actually got a note about that, and we'll see it again next week. Uh, when we get to high pressure. The BBC in the very early days, because they had to put breaks in between programs or when you did live stuff so they could change sets and do things, they'd cut to a little couple of minute filler, an interlude, basically, and they had interlude on it. And one very popular one was these angel fish swimming back and forth. There's another one, which again we'll see next week, is the one with the potter's wheel. Right. So it was just these little like minute, two minute little filmed insert things that they would just use to, to hide breaks in transmission. So it was a reference to that? Yes. Okay. Well, then what happens is, while Graham is trying to make the fish angry, Bill and Tim decide that really this isn't working, so they find another way of scaring off the Eskimos, which first consists of a shark. Yes. yes. Well, this is the point where it becomes a Jaws parody, doesn't it? It does. You have Tim in the water with the shark fin strapped to his back. Yes, the classic image there. Yes, of, of the shark fin. Of course, the Eskimos are initially a bit alarmed until, of course, Tim has to come up to breathe. <laughs> Which, again, as you say, Rob, it's not just a reference to Jaws, it's a direct lift from Jaws. Yes. Because there is that scene where the schoolboy in Jaws does do that and yes. surfaces to find all the fishermen with the guns pointing at yeah. So it, it is a direct lift. Yeah. And then their next trick is the sea monster. So whilst they're preparing that, it cuts back to Graham, who's given up trying to make the fish angry, says it can't be done, and to relax, he puts on tulips from Amsterdam. <laughs> which has the desired effect of enraging the fish, including Brian the cod. And he then gives Brian the teeth and then lets him out. And the first thing that Brian does is go and attack Tim and Bill's sea monster. <laughs> and then, the, well, look, he does scare the Eskimos off at that point. Yes, he does. But it leaves Tim and Bill in the water. And this is where it gets very, very Jaws. Very Jawsy, very Jawsy. The bit where the, the cod's coming towards him and all you can see is mm. Tim's legs dangling down the water is basically a straight lift. Mm. It, it, it is. And as well, I don't think it's a coincidence, but the bit where the cod jumps up onto the jetty and eats the gramophone record, I assume is also a direct reference to the part in Jaws where the shark jumps on the back of the orca and eats Robert Shaw. When they wrote the script, Graham apparently was a little concerned about doing a, a parody of Jaws because it had been out for about a year at that point and he thought it may be probably a little old by the time the script made it to screen. I, I would say that the cultural impact of Jaws would have been sufficient to sort of tie it 
that over. The, the audience would have known the references. Yeah, I, I think his fears were unfounded. Yeah, and particularly, as you said, with the way that it's shot, the music that mm. they use, it's a very clearly a direct lift, and it works really well. And mm. in a couple of uh, seasons' time, they're going to do it all again. Yes, they are. They're <laughs> going to wait even longer before it makes it to screen. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're definitely mining Spielberg at this point. I don't know that there's much more to say about this segment other than that they do a few iterations of the Jaws joke. Uh, they have the bit where they have Tim with the puppet fish on his hand yes. to try and scare off the cod, which doesn't work. I must admit, for, for something that's really only on screen, the actual giant cod prop, for something that's only on screen for uh, less than two minutes, there's clearly been a lot of work and a lot of money gone into it, I and, would think. And I actually noted that the stuff where you just have the fins going through the water and mm. turning and everything, that's no worse than what you actually see in Jaws. No. Um, I mean, Jaws is notorious because the shark was... Um, Bruce. Bruce the shark. Yes, that's right. Not the best shark. No. No. To the production's advantage, actually. Mm. Mm. Yes, as it turned out. Mm. So, yeah, look, we get various iterations of that until finally... Brian meets his demise. Yes, he knocks over the jetty. The batter and, and oil. oil falls in the water. The light comes down and sets it on fire. <laughs> and... And then fish fingers for everybody, yes. <laughs> including the Eskimos. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> eats them and lives happily ever after. Uh, do we need to mention anything about Chulips from Amsterdam, as this is very much the signature song of the episode? That's very catchy. It's clearly been picked by the goodies as just a song that's so terrible, even fish will be enraged by listening to it. And it is, of course, Max Bygraves. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, yes, he had the hit with it, yes. Yeah, he didn't write the original version, but he no. had the hit with it. I found it amusing because they... In my daughter's dance concert last year, they actually used the chillers from Amsterdam. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it still has life even in 2000 and whatever. All right, so that's the end of the episode. Any general points before we get to our regular segments? I'm just going to open by saying again, I really enjoy this. There's not a part of it I think falls down. I think we see from here a number of goodies episodes that have strong parts and weak parts. I thought mm. this was consistent all the way through, and when it was good, it was really, really good. Um, I've got a couple of notes. The name Lips, obviously, is a play on Jaws. Apparently the reason it's called Lips or Almighty Cod is Graham wanted to call it Lips, a supply on Jaws. Bill actually wanted to call it Almighty Cod. They went back and forth, back and forth, so I think it just became like, we'll just call it both. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. The, the other note I had was there is a, and it's more a cultural thing, there is a cutaway to when they unveil uh, Tim's sea monster. There's a cutaway to a chap and his family sitting there through the binoculars looking down at the thing. That's the chap, his name is Peter Scott, who was a wildlife expert who did a range of uh, wildlife programs. He later went on to be one of the co-founders of the World Wildlife Fund. The last note I did have, this apparently is not one of Tim's favourites, and it's purely simply because he had such a lousy time making it, because the water was just above zero, and because he had to spend more time than any of them in the water, he was blue by the time he came out, he was really frozen. And we also get Graham doing yet another dive headfirst into a barrel or yes. pool or something, which he's doing more and more of these days. He's really risking his... Uh, his he's clearly time. been spending time with the stunt guys, I think. Well, <laughs> yeah. You're talking, you know, a guy in his mid-30s here doing his mm. own stunts, mm. you know, at that point. You think that's dedication mm. for his art. Okay, we'll move on to our regular segments then. So, firsts and tropes. Uh, well, obviously a Max Bygrave joke. Or series of Max Bygrove jokes. Yeah, uh, Tony Blackburn gets a mention. Yep. Graham is breeding animals in one way or another. Yeah. Which, which, which I think is now becoming a trope. There's actually the bit we talked about at the start with the line on the map uh, corresponding to what you see on the ground, which is a bit of a trope of theirs. I've done that in a few episodes. 
Well, there's obviously the reference to the archers, which is a bit of an ongoing joke for them. Uh, Graham does his pets corner routine, as we mentioned earlier. Yes, that's with, true. This time with the pike. Obviously the Nicholas Parsons jokes, the teach yourself book. Mm, that's and of course we have more references to loonies. Yes. yes. There you go, that's all I had. Okay, what couldn't they get away with today? Shouting, you great poof, I think would be yes. a problem. You wouldn't call them Eskimos anymore. I believe that, particularly in Canada, that's now a verboten term. Well, or first, a... first Nation, don't Inuit. they? Think? Inuit. Inuit or First Nation, yeah. 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 Uh, you've got Limpin Pansy. There are quite a lot of references to... The, the uh, butchness of the, the cod. The butchness of the cod there. You've got stamping on the frog. I don't think you'd get away yeah, with it Yeah, and I, I don't know that you'd be able to do Tim punching into the fish tank either. Yeah, I, I... yeah I wondered about that. I... I think you could do it, but there'd be a great big... Pro, pro, great you might, big maybe if you put that there, no animals were harmed yeah, in the making yeah. of this episode. Disclaimer, perhaps. But I, I don't know whether you'd actually overtly have him punching down into... I mean, look, he's clearly pulling his punches, but mm. he's only really punching mm. a little way down into the water. But I was a bit 50-50 about whether you could do that now. I think you could with a disclaimer and mm. you'd have... You wouldn't actually literally do it now, though. No. There, there would be trick photography of some sort. Mm. There, there is a reference to little slanty eyes... Which is yeah. probably wouldn't want to stray down too far. Plus, I mean, we've made the thing before about how you deal with loonies. Yes. Uh, I think you'd, you'd probably handle that a little differently these days too, I think. We'll move to our favourite gags. Tom. Annoying the fish. So, Nicholas Parsons, uh, slam slam, grease grease, patronise. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, what about you? I had two. So I'll go with Graham wanting the miserable cod. All I want is one cod, one miserable cod. I'd prefer a happy one, but... (laughs) (laughs) I went with something, there's a lot of lines in history I really like, but the one that really made me laugh was a visual joke where they sing the line, fish are jumping, and then this fish just jumps way out into the... (laughs) into the box, into the ceiling. I don't know why, it's really silly, but I laughed very hard at that. The other one I had was the pun about having cod on our side. (laughs) Rob, what about you? Uh, Look, it was more a visual gag than anything else, though. There are some great lines in here, especially Bill's uh, Cod Get Ready to Die song. (laughs) Uh, It's just Graham again. We've we've mentioned many times over the last uh, many episodes about his physical comedy. When he goes to the pike... And, uh, you know, he gets almost pulled into the water and then he, his arm comes up and then the pike's just about to eat. <laughs> best quarter routine. Yeah. Yeah, so that was real. I found that really funny. Yeah, so look, I think it's a really good episode. Having discussed it, are you guys more favourable towards it or...? Oh, look, there's nothing wrong with the episode. Is it the best of the season, as you said earlier? Not in my opinion, but it, it is a good, solid episode. I said at the top I enjoyed it, and I still would stick to that. Again, I don't think it's the best episode in the season. I think one of the ones we're going to talk about in a few weeks would be my pick. Even though I said at the top that this is a step back from the heights of the end of Series 5, this is a pretty solid opener for the new series, for the new season. Hmm. Again, a lot of fond memories from when I was watching it when I was younger. Yeah, perfectly good. Alright, so that takes us into our regular discussion that we have at the opening of every season about where the goodies are now. One thing that I'm going to put out there is they've now been doing this for five full series, and this is obviously the sixth. Yeah. So there is now a well of ideas or goodyisms or story plots that they can now go back to. And I think that this season we do see a bit of going back to the well. Sometimes, as here, it works very, very well. There's going to be other episodes, I suspect, where it is a bit of a rehash and it just yeah. feels tired. One of the points I was going to make in this discussion, you're probably getting to the point now, I think, also, where maybe they're not getting sick of it, 
but they're probably wanting to move beyond the bounds a bit of, the, of what the series originally set out to do. If you notice, there's a lot more experimental episodes and they really, they've, they've pretty much you know, completely abandoned the idea of the agency type deal really for the rest of the series here on in. Series five, I think we're all agreed, I think series five really is the high watermark I think for yeah, the series, I, I so. and that's not to say that what what comes later is no good, because I think there is some very very good episodes still to come, including what, what's probably my favourite episode of the entire series. I, I think is still to come. As is mine. Well, I actually think series eight is a very very good season as well. Yeah. That's still a couple of years away. Series five really, I think, is their high watermark. It's obviously the series was very well received. It's when they're releasing most of their their successful singles and records. They're doing their appearances on other programs. They sort of almost get to a point where they're, they're really national celebrities. And they, they, this is around the time they start telling stories that Tim went away on a family holiday and he wound up, he had to put a hat and glasses on. So people would, because he was just tired, he wanted, he wanted a holiday and people just kept wanting to come up to him all the time. Bill, I think, also had stories that, you know, people were leaping out at him when he go out with his family and whatever, do the funky gibbon at him, which apparently was upsetting to his, he had small children, that, that mm. apparently was quite upsetting for them. You, you, you so. could have mentioned that. They do ask for this season because the BBC had really, for the last three times, the BBC had commissioned them for 13 episodes because season three and four was planned as one season. It was only because of the industrial action that it got broken up. So season two, what was season three, four and season five are all long runs of episodes. They specifically ask, they only want to do six this time, uh, which is the BBC sort of pushed them out to seven. Oh, but yeah. yeah for well, different yeah, reasons. Yes, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll have that discussion in a few <laughs> weeks. <laughs> The part of that is a function, I think, of Graham and Bill having to, to come up with 13 scripts in, in a short space of time. So, And, and that's just something I think I've noticed. They clearly start a script with an idea. Mm. And where that idea carries them for 25, 30 minutes, it's really, really good. But we're now seeing ones where the idea just doesn't carry for 25, 30 minutes. No. And it, there are a number of episodes coming up that do peter out quite quickly. Mm. So, yeah, look, I, I'd probably agree with Rob's point. I think this season is a definite step back from Series 5. But I also think there is some good material in here. I, I think you're right, there is. But there is also some very good stuff to come. But we are perhaps coming down the other side of the crest, or, or the other side of the peak. Probably. I think one other note I had here, if you notice from the later seasons on here, the background music changes a lot too. Bill has largely stopped writing a lot of those little songs mm. now. It's now just more background music. Yes. If you listen to it, he does, obviously he does do a couple of little songs as we progress through the next few seasons, but yeah. it's, it's not writing a specific song pretty much for every week now. It's more now just generic sort of background music. Mm. I was just going to say, I, I tend to think that we're probably at a bit of a transition point. As you said before, Dave, they're over the, over the hill as a way that they're coming down off that crest of their popularity. So maybe they're beginning to now think that they can do a different type of comedy, a different type of show. I mean, we're going to see episodes coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, which are a complete departure from what we and the audience, I think, would be, would have been used to. I mean, something mm. like extreme, not to preempt what we're going to talk about in a few weeks' time, but the, the humour in that is completely different to what you would have gotten, say, seasons two or three, mm. uh, which is more slapstick, which is more colour and movement than, than something there that actually makes you think. So... We saw some really hard-hitting, well, yeah, in a sense, hard-hitting political satire with, with South Africa in the previous season, which I don't think you necessarily would have got earlier on. And I think going forward, there's going to be a bit more of that or even more topicality. The show is, is different. The, the remit of the, the goodies themselves has completely changed. So, And I think this episode also, which is a very much a direct pastiche of Jaws, 
does signal a lot more of that is to come. Yes. There's a number of movies, TV shows, yes. uh, musicals, etc., where they just lift completely and just do a parody, in some cases for an entire episode. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, even cultural movements, we see, we see later on, in terms yeah. of punk and, and all that sort of thing. So. And I think this is what we're saying. Where they have a good idea or an experiment that works, it works really, really well. And you get, we still get some great episodes. But the thing about being creative and different and pushing the envelope out is that sometimes it doesn't quite work. Mm. And there are episodes coming up, which I think we've discussed privately, aren't so much bad as just weird or just different. And they just don't mm. quite work. And we're going to see a bit more of that. So lots of good stuff to come. But I think there's a consensus we're getting some different stuff coming as well. And different isn't bad. No, but we've got a lot to go in this season. So next episode, we will be talking about hype pressure. Yes, that'd be an interesting discussion. Well, it's the last of the rare episodes. Yes, it is. Which will be interesting. On your way back to a revival of the 1950s, maybe you'll take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. They come for our cod. Sneaky devils, they might have said. Oh, they're not going to get their hands on them. No, they're certainly not. Oh, this means war. But they've got a big gun. Don't worry, lads. We have cod on our side. <laughs>